This is episode seven of the Christian Travelers Network. Today we're going to be talking about the history of Christianity and how that influences how we travel today. Welcome to the Christian Travelers Network, where travel stories, community, and scripture combine. Travelers, I'm so excited to have you here today. We have something really interesting that we're going to dive into. We're going to talk about the history of Christianity, which isn't something I think we normally talk about, but it's very impactful in terms of how we witness as we travel today. But before we go there, I just want to remind you again that we have two more weeks left to sign up for our podcast at christiantravelers.net, where you'll be entered into a giveaway for two things. One, a book by Peter Greer called Travel in Tandem with God's Heart. It's a great book that talks about different travel stories from all around the world and how they lead to questions about faith and its application to travel. And then you'll also be entered into a giveaway for some travel stickers from Wonderfully Made Art. Josie makes wonderful calligraphy and watercolor paint stickers that go great on water bottles and other things. They're a great conversation starter for you as you travel. With that in mind, I also want to encourage you to share this podcast. If you're getting cool information from it, I'd encourage you to share it with your other Christian travel friends and encourage them to join our discussion on Facebook and Instagram. So let's go ahead and dive in. When we think of the start of Christianity, we often think of the Bible and we think of all the stories in the Old Testament that lead up to Jesus coming to earth for us. Um, but what we may not think about is what happened after he left. Because even though Jesus came and he taught a new message to us, teaching us to love others and love our enemies and love God with our heart, soul, and mind, what happened from the point when he left? And he had followers, but in comparison to the whole world, it was a very small amount. What happened from that point unto the point when Christianity became worldwide? And what does it look like now? Well, I wanted to take us through a little bit of the history just so that you know how you can witness when you interact with different cultures. So I'm going to categorize these into three things. Pre-Christendom, Christendom, and post-Christendom. Pre-Christendom is when the apostles were going around the world and they were sharing Jesus, and it was growing, but it wasn't a widely accepted belief. Christendom is when Christianity has a big influence on culture and is the main part of society. And post-Christendom is when Christianity is being isolated and separated back out from society and isn't the accepted norm anymore. So I would say that developed countries fall more into the post-Christian realm more frequently than not, whereas there are other communities where pre-Christianity is happening and they're being persecuted for their faith, etc. And so I want us to understand the history to also understand how we can maybe better witness and relate depending on where you're traveling to. So pre-Christendom, some things that we know about it. It was a time when people were being persecuted. The Romans really didn't like the idea of Christianity. If they found out that you were a Christian, you were typically martyred. Um, whether you were burned or crucified or slaughtered, 
whichever the case, it was pretty normal for Christian to be killed. And so they often met in their homes in private. That way, it wasn't this public thing. And they often would draw in the sand the figure of a fish. So you might be talking to someone and you are a believer in Christ, but you don't know where the other person's really at. So you would draw on the table a figure of the fish. And if they drew that shape back to you, you knew they were also a Christian and so you could disclose information and you were in safe territory. But if they didn't draw it back, well, they just thought you were doodling on the table. I don't know. Anyway, so that was kind of how they kept their privacy, but yet they were trying to grow at the same time. And one of the things that they did was they celebrated communion, uh, the Lord's Supper, where uh, we eat this bread, which is God's body, and we drink this wine, which is God's blood. And to someone from the outside looking in, it sounded like they were like cannibals, you know? They're eating somebody's flesh and blood, and they didn't fully understand. And so Christianity wasn't always welcomed because it wasn't well understood. But the Christians were motivated because recently Christ had been on earth and we'd seen all these amazing miracles and we'd seen how he loved in ways that were so unique. And they had heard this promise um, right as Christ ascended into heaven. The angels told him, why are you looking to the heavens? Because Christ will return. And so they were motivated by the fact that they were awaiting his return. And they wanted to spread this love, his way of teaching, to love your enemies, love your neighbors as yourself, and love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, and mind. And all of this comes together for them having this drive, despite the persecution, despite the things they were facing, to spread the gospel. And then we enter Christendom. This is a point where a lot of people say it was highly influenced by Constantine the Great. You see, the story goes that Constantine was about to enter into a battle, and he had a lot less men, and so he was praying, um, hoping to find a way that they would win, and he had this vision. And it was either a cross, or I don't know if you've ever seen it, it's a symbol for Christ where it's an X with a P through it, and that has some tradition either in Hebrew or Greek, I don't really recall, but it symbolizes Christ, and when he had this vision, it said, by this sign you shall conquer. And so he used that symbol in war. I've heard some different things. Either it was on banners or it was on everyone's shields, but they used that symbol in the war, and even though they had a lot less men than the people they went against, they won, and he converted to Christianity. And because he converted to Christianity, he decided to make it the national religion, which meant that Christianity suddenly grew overnight. Suddenly, everyone was expected to be a Christian, which causes some different issues. So up to this point, they've been persecuted, but now they are in this world where you must be this. Therefore, some people are just putting on the fake oh, I'm a Christian, but not really. And then other people are like, who is this? What is this about? They want the deeper information. So it grew overnight, but it had some different effects because when it grew via persecution, they were going that way because they truly believed it. Now it's 
must be the accepted norm. The other downfall was that Constantine being a political leader and making it easier for Christians, they no longer are being persecuted, he kind of wants a reward. He has power and money and influence, and therefore he wants to influence the religion. But that's not how Christianity works. It's a following of Jesus. It isn't an institution that can be manipulated. So there's this new conflict within the church, and suddenly there's these buildings being built that are now called churches, and so rather than meeting in homes, we're building churches, and people are worshiping here, etc. And this continues to, you know, have its tensions go back and forth until we see about the time of the Reformation that the Roman Catholic Church is demanding indulgences and kind of becoming a money-grabbing religion. They want money from everyone. And I'm not dismissing Catholics in any way, but historically this is what caused Martin Luther to pound the 99 Theses to the Roman Catholic door and he had reflected on the scriptures and said, you aren't really following things. And at this time, the people didn't have access to Bibles. It was just they'd go on Sunday mornings and they'd hear it preached. And they were relying solely on the pastors to or the priests to share the gospel and really make it relatable to them. And Luther was super opposed to this. He said, you know, you're missing the point. And so he had the scriptures translated into their language so that they could read and understand the scriptures. And that was a big significant event. But there was all of this tension because the Roman Catholic Church was very opposed to Martin Luther because suddenly he was tearing them down for what they were doing and had been doing for years. And from Martin Luther in the Reformation, we see all these different denominations appear because suddenly we have access to the scriptures and suddenly we have these different interpretations of what it all means. But the main thing about Christendom is that Christianity had an influence on society. We can see this even just a few generations ago where the norm was if you open up your church doors, people will come and activities will happen at church and church has a huge influence on our government and how we view the world. But then at the turn of the century, especially in developed countries, I would say, you see that Christianity is now leaving the central square. Um, it's no longer the big influence. It's an option, but so is a million other things, and it doesn't have quite as much influence anymore. And people are relying more on their own logic and understanding rather than on the scriptures. And how we witness to that is very different than how we would witness to someone in a Christendom world versus a pre-Christendom world. And so when we travel, it's important for us to take time before we go to research the history of religion there. Um, if Christianity is just a minor thing and hasn't really hit society, you could still say they're probably a pre-Christendom world. Um, if Christianity is well spread, they're probably in a Christendom world where, um, we heard this from Peter Greer the other day on our podcast where he talked about how Ireland, it, it's just accepted that everyone is a Christian, 
but yet people aren't necessarily Christian. They just don't, they don't question, are you a Christian or not? They don't really ask that. And then we can go into other communities where we see post-Christendom, I would say America would be one of them, where we witness so many people who their parents aren't going to church, the kids aren't going to church, the schools. Um, if you are a Christian, a lot of your friends are not going to be Christians because they're, that's just not the accepted norm anymore. And so people will ask questions, but they they kind of view it as that is your choice, this is my choice. They're very separate of each other and they don't relate. And that's kind of why I wanted to bring all of this up today because I know we talk about travel and I know as Christians we're wrestling with how do we bring Jesus along with us. And so I want us to pause and turn to Acts 2 and Acts 17 because I want to show you how we witness depending on our audience, depending who we're interacting with. So I'd encourage you right now to just stop the podcast, pause, and read all of Acts 2. But I'm going to summarize in short kind of some of the things going on here, but you'll learn a lot more when you dive into the scriptures. So it's Pentecost. This is the time when the Holy Spirit comes and descends upon the disciples with tons of fire, and they start speaking in all these different languages and proclaiming who Jesus Christ is. And... They were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. All these people were gathered there, and they spoke all these different languages, and yet they were hearing the proclamation of Jesus in their own language. And so, being dismissive, they just said, oh, all these disciples are drunk, even though it's super early in the morning. And Peter stands up and says, no, that's not the case. These men are not drunk, as you assume, and he explains who Jesus is and what the Holy Spirit has done in a way that says, I know you already know the scriptures. I know you know the Old Testament, but this is how Jesus fits into that picture. And so he didn't focus on retelling and explaining everything. He focused on what these people needed to hear. And I think that's something that we need to know about our audience. If they already know the scriptures, if they have some understanding of the Old Testament, then we need to be really focusing on how does Jesus apply to their lives. Um, so this is something you would probably see in a more pre-Christendom world or even a Christendom world where someone is questioning if they're a Christian. Now I'd encourage you to jump over to Acts 17 verses 22 through 34. Read all of that, pause this podcast again, and learn some interesting things about Paul and how he addressed the Aeropagus. I'm not really sure how you pronounce that community. But anyway, in short, he comes to Athens and he sees all these statues to different gods. And one of them is to the unknown God. They wanted to cover all their bases, basically. He knew that these people had multiple worldviews, that they practiced different beliefs, that they didn't know necessarily the history of Christianity. And rather than just like preaching, oh my gosh, these are a bunch of big words and this is who Christ is and da 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 da. He started with something tangible, something they could relate to. And he said, I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, 
what therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you. So he, he took this object that they could relate to and he's like, this is who God is. This is who Christ is. This is who I worship and who is the true God. And he used that as a tangible point of conversation. And from that, I want to kind of talk to you about how we witness as we travel. We first need to know our audience. Are they an Acts 2 Christian? Are they an Acts 17 post-Christian, pre-Christian? Who are they? And what is the history of their religion in that community? Do they Has Jesus become this well-known thing that's passed through and now they're separating away from? Do they know who Jesus is? We need to be relatable. We need to, as we're traveling... You know, I have these experiences, you have these experiences, how can they relate so that I can share Jesus with you? And we also need to go out. We can't expect people to flood into our churches anymore and expect them to want to learn about Jesus. They consider Jesus in a post-Christian world something super outdated. So we need to be willing to go out and share Jesus with our travels and the way that we travel. Um, And if you go into a pre-Christian community, then you need to be willing to gather with people in just private spaces. Uh, This makes me think of a community that I've recently learned of. It's called The River. Um, It's this group of just different communities where you can stay and they have different ways of sharing Jesus during their time. And they openly say, you know, we're a bunch of Christians here. And so... They might have a dinner where they say, hey, I, this is my story of how I came to believe in Jesus, and this is what he's done in my life. And it's just a conversation starter. And for many people, it's because they traveled and they stayed at one of these river communities that they suddenly look at Christianity as not being this outdated thing, but as this really relevant and personable thing. And it's not just an institution, a religious institution, it's a relationship with God. There's many ways that we can look at all of this, but I feel like it's important for us to understand how Christianity has gone through a community and how Christianity overall, we've we've had the pre-Christianity, Christendom, and post-Christendom overall throughout the globe. And I think that is why why I wanted to start part of this podcast is because I feel like Christianity is now going to go very electronic. It's going to be on podcasts and Facebook groups and Instagram groups that really are connecting virtually. I don't 100% believe that that should be your only way of connecting as a Christian because there is something to be said about worshiping with others. In fact, there's three different ways as a Christian that we should be growing. And in our next podcast, I'll be talking a little bit more about those. One is our personal, one is in small group, and one is in a church community. But when you travel, I just again encourage you to look at how Christianity has had an influence or has developed through the communities that you go to because that will influence how you start those conversations with others. That's all that I have today. Again, I'd encourage you to subscribe to our podcast so you can be entered in our giveaway for an awesome book and travel stickers. And until next time, safe travels. God's blessing.